0: Matthew chapter 24, turn there with me, Matthew chapter 24. As we continue our series, this is part six of Countdown to Armageddon, and I've entitled this The Unraveling of Our Planet. In my younger days, when I played baseball, softball, anything to do with a bat and a ball, didn't get into cricket, (laughs) but that's not a bat anyway, what they use. I'm not sure what they call it, a stick of some kind. But anyways... I remember many times we get there, and especially with a softball, and if you're, if you're playing with a softball, you hit that thing, and you keep using the softball until what, the seams break, and then the guts start coming out of the softball. And then the issue is, how long can we play softball with the softball with the trail of guts hanging out of it? <laughs> and because that really slows down the speed and the role of the ball. So many times the seams would break and it would come apart and start unraveling. And uh, we as believers today, we are not looking to the unraveling of the planet, although society is unraveling, culture is unraveling, people are unraveling. But we as believers, those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior are looking forward to something else. We call it the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church is when Jesus is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and then in the dead in Christ, okay, those believers, the bodies of believers who have already physically died and gone home to be with the Lord... The dead in Christ, those bodies are going to be raised first. Then we which are alive and remain, we're alive when the rapture takes place. We're going to be caught up together with them to meet the Lord and also those people who have gone on to be with him during the church age, to meet the Lord and them in the air. And it says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, I think scripture is clear that the church, the body of Christ, the believers are going to be taken out of the world before this next period of time, the seven-year tribulation period, begins here on the planet, okay? The rapture takes place before the judgment falls on the planet. Now, understand this, and as if you've been with me through this series, you already know this. After the rapture of the church, life on earth will change drastically, drastically. There will be no more, you know, we, we think in terms of pre 9 post-9-11, pre-COVID, post-COVID. Listen, you ain't seen nothing yet. What is going to come on the planet will drastically change the planet all over the planet and mankind. And it's just a matter of I think the rapture taking place, and then the world is going to come into this period. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24:21. He said, "For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no nor ever shall be, and except those days should be shortened." In other words, it's a short period of time, seven years in length. Except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved." What is it saying? Folks? If Jesus did not limit those days, no one would be left on the planet. This is coming. This is not science fiction. It is the word of God, and it is coming. But for the elect's sake, for believer's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, the judgment of God is going to be poured out on the earth because of the rebellion of man. Because of the rebellion of man. Revelation chapter 16, which is where I want you to go now, gives us the final description of a series of judgments or a final description of the judgment in the last of a set of judgments during the tribulation period. These judgments in Revelation 16, remember now, these aren't all the judgments that are gonna come upon the earth. These are simply the last ones that I wanted to focus on today. These judgments are almost beyond belief. I understand that. And you know why we think in terms, oh, I can't believe that, is because we've never seen it before. We've never seen in our lifetime God without mixture pouring out his wrath, his judgment on the planet and on society. But they are literal, As a matter of fact, in this chapter, verse 9 says that God is the one who controls these judgments, and he will be controlling them. Now, people hear that, especially skeptics or unbelievers, and they'll say, see that? There's that God, that vengeful God, that, that God who hates man and all this. Number one, friend, you are ignorant of the truth. God does not hate man. God loves man. Because of the love of God, he has already provided the way of escape, not only of the tribulation, but also hell itself through Jesus Christ. And he's offering salvation, deliverance from all of that as a free gift to all who will trust in Jesus Christ, the savior. God does not send anyone to hell. Man's rebellion is what's behind a person ending up there. See, the Bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels, if you reject Jesus Christ as your savior, you are choosing to spend eternity with the devil and his angels. It's your choice. But you don't have to. You don't have to. The late Dr. M. R. Dehan, the I, he said this, quote, men find fault with God for sending these terrible judgments upon mankind because they understand neither the awfulness of sin nor the absolute righteousness of God. We have no clue how righteous God is and we have no clue how bad our sin is. So for God to finally, after thousands of years, step in and say, okay, you've been asking for it. Here it comes. That is the tribulation period. I can remember my dear mom who's with the Lord now many, many times. Larry, you probably remember this. Larry's my brother, for those of you who don't know. He's here today. She would say, she'd see all the awful things. And this was in her lifetime. All these awful things going on, the corruption, the violence, the the abusing of children and all these kind of things. And she'd say, why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't God do something? Well, the answer to that is because he has been long suffering with man. That's why he hasn't done anything, but he is going to do something. And that's what I told her. I said, mom, it's just a matter of time. Now, as we were having these discussions I was already a believer and I was looking for the Lord to come back at any moment at the rapture. I had no idea how much time even would pass in my lifetime and not yet see the rapture, but it's coming. You might say, well, then it's been, you know, it's, uh, the Bible's been talking about Jesus coming back to take the church out of the world for some 2,000 years. Do you really believe it's gonna happen? I said, yeah, you know what? All that time's passed. It's gotta be closer. It has been said that the tribulation period is actually an act of mercy to wake mankind up to where he will listen to the one true God and put his faith in Jesus Christ as his Savior before it's too late. I urge you to trust Jesus Christ today as your Savior, friend. But if you don't do it today and you are left behind at the rapture, then trust Christ as your Savior then. Yes, you're gonna have to go through that period of time, but at least you'll have a home in heaven whenever it is you die. But see, God is being, even for those people who get left behind at the rapture, God is being merciful and bringing his judgment down on the planet. And yes, there will be suffering, but that suffering will be there to wake man up and say, listen, God is real okay? He doesn't play with sin. You've got to have a payment for your sin. My son came to do it for you and you can have eternal life. Trust Christ before it's too late. I say, what if an unbeliever makes it to the end of the tribulation? Guess what? There's a judgment coming for them. So they limp through the tribulation period. They make it to the end. They had received the mark of the beast and they, they make it to the end of the tribulation. There's a judgment then called the judgment of the nations, the judgment of sheep and goats. Those who are believers at the end of the tribulation will be going into the kingdom, the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. Those who make it through the tribulation and are still lost, they'll get to the end of the tribulation and they'll go to that judgment and they will be cast into hell. I know this is sobering. This is not a usual message, but you need to hear it, dear friend. Listen, if you're here today and you're a believer or if you're watching and you're a believer, would you please take this message today and share it with other people? There's no charge. It's just gonna cost you a little time to do it. People need to understand it. Revelation 16, verse one. And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, go your ways and pour out the vials or the bowls of the wrath of God, the indignation, the anger, the judgment of God upon the earth. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worship his image. What is the mark of the beast? It's something that those in the tribulation period will be forced, pressured to take, and it will be a a mark either on your hand or on your forehead. We don't know all the details of it. The Bible isn't clear on, on all the details of that. Okay, I know a lot's been said on it. It's not our point today to cover that. Revelation 13, no. It'll be the only way you are gonna be able to buy and sell. So you won't be able to buy or sell unless you have the mark of the mask. No, I mean the beast. <laughs> You're paying attention. This is coming. And for those who do receive it, they are pledging not only, they're, they're not just saying, okay, I want to eat, I'll get this thing. No, there is a spiritual aspect to this. You are pledging allegiance to the Antichrist. You're pledging allegiance to him. And those who do, the moment they do, are sealed forever and doomed forever. And so we see this first judgment here. Now, remember, there's a lot before this, but we're just looking at the ones in chapter 16. And what is it? Number one, noisome or grievous sores, verse two. The word noisome and grievous means foul and painful, painful. The Lord executes this judgment only on those who have taken the mark of the beast. I see these sores as similar to boils. Now, if you've ever had a boil before, you know how excruciatingly painful that is. Can you imagine having these all over your body? But they will be all over people's bodies. Now, these plagues mentioned here are similar to those brought down on Egypt. Do you remember Exodus? When Moses went to Pharaoh... This one is like the sixth plague of Egypt. In in Exodus chapter nine and verse 10, it says, and they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses sprinkled it up towards heaven and it became a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast. No offense, Blaine. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils for the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. And this is very similar to that. Here's, this is going to take place, though, during this future tribulation period. Verse three now, Revelation 16, three. And the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea, and it became the sea now, the oceans. And it became as the blood of a dead man. Watch this now. It wasn't just a coloring of it. It didn't just look like blood. It was changed this is a judgment on the oceans of the world, and it says, "And every living soul died in the sea." The water was so polluted by this judgment that all life in the sea died. So we see number two: the sea became as blood. Exodus 7:17 7, through21 speaks of the seawater being turned into blood there. Notice that every living creature in the sea dies. All sea life dies. Do we have any, we can't even wrap our minds around that. Can you imagine what the beaches are gonna look like? This will cause chaos around the globe. But that's not all. Verse four, and the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of water, and they became blood. So not only now are the seas polluted, and everything dies in them. But number three, the Lord now focuses on the rivers, that which is inland, verse four. The remaining water in the rivers and the streams turns to blood also. This virtually, now listen, God wants us to think about these things. This virtually pollutes the entire supply of water on the planet. Outside of specialized purification processes, I don't know what man is going to do to survive. You can't live without water. This will produce tremendous chaos on the planet. All of this, by the way, is on top of the sores, which is, by the way, on top of a whole bunch of other judgments that we've already seen. Now, what am I saying? When we couple this with the other judgments the satanic spirit and the worship that is going to be going on during the tribulation period, unprecedented demon activity, the persecution and the martyrdom of believers, those who trust Christ the Savior during that seven-year period, the battle of the forces of good and evil, the wars of nation against nation, the killing and the looting and the panic and the cosmic and economic and environmental disasters that are going to be going on all over the planet. It is totally staggering, not to mention the emotional and the psychological suffering that's going to take place. Verse 5, And I heard the angel of the water say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shall be, because thou hast judged thus. Lord, you are righteous in doing this. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets and thou hast given them blood to drink for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Do you see that, friend? You know, you may be here today, you may hear this and you may say, I hate God, I hate God. Any God who would do that, I hate him. Yeah, you know what? You are written about in this passage, friend. You're going to see this very clearly, how people respond in a wrong way to what God is doing. When Bible teacher said this, heaven gives justification for this terrible judgment. The earth dwellers have shed the blood of God's people, so it is only right that they should drink blood. In God's government, the punishment fits the crime. Pharaoh tried to drown the Jewish boy babies and it was his own army that eventually drowned in the Red Sea. Haman planned to hang Mordecai on the gallows and to exterminate the Jews, but he himself was hanged on the gallows and his family was exterminated. See that in the book of Esther. King Saul refused to obey God and slay the Amalekites. So he was slain by an Amalekite. See, friends, the Bible says this in Galatians 6, verse 7 Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This is true. This is true. And the sooner man wakes up to this and embraces it as the truth and responds to it God's way, the better off he will be. Because God will have his day. God will have his day. Revelation sixteen eight, And the fourth angel poured out his vial, his bowl upon the sun. And the power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. This fourth judgment, the heat of the sun is turned up to scorch men with fire. You didn't know global warming was in the Bible, did you? This is real global warming. By the way, can I say this to all the um, AOC supporters and Green New Deal supporters and all of this kind of stuff? Let me tell you, dear friend, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time because, number one, man is not going to destroy this planet. God is the one in, who's in charge of that, and he has told us what the future's going to be, Okay? It's not in man. See, what drives a movement like that? You know what it is? You might say, well, it's, it's because they love nature. And they, no, it isn't. It's pride. Pride is what drives it. Pride is the driver there because it's man thinking he can, he can control the universe. And you can't control it. That's God's job, not yours. Should we be responsible? Yes. Pollute? No, don't pollute. Don't wreck the environment, respect it, okay? Why? Well, God made it. We ought to be good stewards of the planet God put us on. But you're not in control of the destiny of earth. Well, if we could just get rid of all the cars and all the the cattle, get people to eat plants only because the cattle, you know, they they pass gas and that that gas is wrecking the, the ozone layer and all these kind of, oh, get off of it. The foolishness of this stuff. God is the one who's in control, please. You know, as a preacher, I I don't know what to do except preach the word. I don't know, uh, what else can you do? If people don't want to listen, they're either going to respond, either they're going to respond to it positively, but if they're not going to listen negatively, but you know, the preacher's job has never changed. It's always been proclaim the word of God and let the chips fall where they may, right? Right. Real global warming, but this is going to be something unlike anything man has ever seen. Well, we don't call it that anymore. We call it climate change. Yeah, you know what? Every day the climate changes. (laughs) Every day. Here in Minnesota, right? See, here it is. What is this? Why would God send such a judgment? This is just my opinion on this. The tribulation is an act of mercy to warn man of what's coming. This scorching of man with fire from the heat of the sun. By the way, it's going to be global because of the earth rotates, right? This scorching is a foretaste of hell itself. It will be so hot that it will burn to the point of fire on people's skins. This will no doubt melt. Solar ice caps as well, producing great flooding around the planet. I think it'll be rapid. and that With that, probably tidal waves, it'll be so fast. So this is real global warming. But also keep in mind that this will be on top of a ruined water supply. What do you do when you're hot? You drink. You drink water. You're thirsty. When you're hot, you get thirsty. Can you imagine this? The scorching will be on top of the boil-like sores as well. So people will be dying of thirst on top of everything else. Malachi 4.1 puts it this way. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven. A day is coming when there, the earth will burn like an oven. And all the proud, there you go. Yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Unbelievable things are going to be going on here on the planet. Let's go back Revelation 16:10, and the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, which is the antichrist, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues in pain. They gnawed their tongues in pain. We see a fifth judgment here. God smites the world and it is covered with darkness in verse 10. Now, this is similar, by the way, to Exodus 10, verses 21 through 23. How is it that the sun will scorch them with great heat and yet there will be darkness? Well, the Lord wants them to know and they do know. This is supernatural and it's God who is doing it. Not only that, but see folks, this is a sample of hell itself for the unbelievers. Listen, the world has got it completely upside down. They say, you know, if you go to heaven, you're there by yourself, you've got a harp, and you're just floating around on a cloud like a moron going bling, bling, oh, this is great, bling. And you're by yourself on a cloud on a sunny day. But boy, oh boy, you know, I don't mind going to hell. I'll be there with all my buddies and we'll party and all this kind of stuff. No, friend, it is exactly the opposite. Hell is a place of darkness and the Bible says those who end up there will be like drifting stars forever in darkness. You'll be alone in hell and you will gnaw your tongue in pain. But there will be no rest forever for those who end up there. What an awful truth, and yet it is true. And now look at verse 11, though. You know, if man had any brains, he would have way before this point bowed the knee and said, hey, I give up. The God of the Bible is the true God, and I want to be delivered from this. I want salvation. But no, God keeps pouring out the judgments, and look at verse 11. Instead of responding properly to All the judgments, but specifically the boils, the heating of the sun, the polluted water supply, all the pain that goes on. And what's man's response? They gnawed their tongues in pain, verse 11, and they blasphemed the God of heaven. See, they know where it's coming from because of their pains and their sores and they repented not of their deeds. They didn't have a change in their thinking concerning the way they were being, the way they were living, their wickedness. The word blaspheme means to defame or to speak evil against. So the judgments are being poured out and they know who they're coming from. Probably no atheists anymore at this point. They repented not of their deeds, nor to give him glory. Both of these words for repent here in chapter 16 have as the root, it means to change their minds or to think differently. This fits the context, by the way. Neither of them was an issue of getting saved, but seeing things as they should from God's perspective. They refused to change their thinking, their attitude. Now, this certainly could lead them to putting their faith in Jesus Christ the Savior for those who hadn't received the mark of the beast yet, But instead of yielding to God's will, they remain stubborn in their own will. And yet what does man do? If he even believes in God today, so many are stubborn in their own will, their life starts falling apart, and what do they do? They blame God instead of blaming themselves. Verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne saying, It is done. Now watch this. On top of everything else. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. Since creation. So mighty an earthquake and so great that the great city, which is Jerusalem here, was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and great Babylon, which will be the seat of government. I believe it's Rome, We don't have time to get into that, but that's what I believe. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. This so-called Babylon, okay? That will be where Antichrist rules out of. The great city, that's Jerusalem, and the cities of the nation, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her Babylon the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. This is the almighty God of creation letting loose on man, okay? And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. Folks, this is, this is breathtaking, This is mind-boggling. This is incomprehensible. All we can go with are the words that are mentioned here. So this last judgment, this great earthquake. And so man is blaspheming the God of heaven, verse 21. And there fell upon men, uh, this is the last judgment here mentioned, and there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven. How many of you have ever been in a hailstorm? Okay, lots of you have. Okay, a few years ago we were coming back from the Grace Conference and We stopped at a McDonald's to eat, and as we sat there, just a few feet from where we were sitting in McDonald's, our car was there, and a hailstorm came through. I think we were in Osseo, Wisconsin. And we sat there, and we watched our car get pulverized, (laughs) and there's not a thing we could have done about it, and those were only dime size hail. I had to bring it back and we got, we got the hail damage taken care of on the car, but it wasn't cheap. It wasn't cheap. But here, look at this. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And what did man do? And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Now, what does that mean, the weight of a talent? Are you ready for this? Each hailstone... If we translate that today into what we have, each hailstone, 100 pounds each, 100 pounds. So if there was anything left standing, it's pretty much gone at this point. It will devastate all the cities of the world. The rebellion of man continues to manifest itself. How deep our rebellion is. Two times, God is pouring out the judgment and man is blaspheming God, cursing God, speaking evil against God. Instead of saying, I give up whatever you say. No, man's not gonna do it. You know, folks, we have people like that today. See, they are driven. They are driven, they are encouraged by Satan himself, but not only that, man has within him a sin nature that is rebellious towards God. You might say, well, what about people who get saved? They still have a sin nature that is rebellious towards God. Oh, listen, the world would be a different place if every time somebody got saved, they automatically went on and lived a good Christian life the way they should. But we've got that battle inside. Which leads me to our last point today, and it is this. And I wanna spend ample time on this today. The worst of all is that those who die lost will be lost forever in hell. Every one of these plagues, judgments, as well as all the others before it, there's gonna be a lot of death produced. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that only a small fraction of mankind will be left at the end of the tribulation period. God has been pouring out his judgment. And if you are lost and you make it to the end of the tribulation period, you'll still be cast into hell. You might say, well, that's unsettling to me. Friend, here's the thing, though. You know, we want to focus on that, but why not focus on the solution? The solution is the most wonderful truth in all the world. Turn with me to John chapter three. I'm saying this today. Be honest with God. Let us all be honest with God. Friend, here's the truth. We are sinners. We are sinners, We sin, we rebel against God. We violate his word, we violate his character. We insult him. And we need a savior. Every one of us needs a savior. And God has provided that savior. Why? Because we need somebody to help us out of the situation we're in because we cannot help ourselves. That's why Jesus came. Let me illustrate it. This hand. Let's pretend this is you and me. We're gonna pretend this wallet is our sin. Here we are, we're all sinners. Now here's the truth of it. The Bible says God loves us. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. How can God love us and pour out these judgments? Because he doesn't want us in hell. He's trying to wake us up, that's why. Not only does he not want us in hell, he doesn't want any of us to go through the tribulation period, And he's provided a way of escape. So here we are as sinners. God loves us. He hates our sin. Our sin separates us from him. To get into heaven, friend, we have to be as righteous as God himself. We have to be sinless. And none of us are. So therefore we are disqualified. God says because we've sinned against him, our sin must be paid for. And if we do it, we'll spend forever in a literal lake of fire. The final hell. It's called the lake of fire good works good works won't do it you got to be perfect you could put a whole lifetime of good works it doesn't take away the sin the bible says this look what it says it says for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god it's not of works lest any man should boast good works water baptism sacraments ordinances good deeds of any kind giving money promising to reform your life. We are lost sinners. There's nothing we could do outside of spending forever in hell because of our sin to to pay for that. So what are we gonna do? Well, that's the beauty of the message of the Bible. See, God so loves us, does not want us to go there. Therefore, he came and provided the way of escape and the way of salvation. This hand representing the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, And Jesus came into the world and he went to the cross and he took our sin, our sin upon himself. He paid for the sin of the entire world in all of human history. I don't care how heinous, how bad, how many. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for it all. He died, was buried, rose from the grave to prove it was done. He conquered death and he offers us life, everlasting life, all you can do to go to heaven is to put your faith in him, to trust in him as your savior. And when you trust in him, the payment he made is good on your account. He gives you everlasting life. All your sin is forgiven. He gives you his righteousness. If you're as righteous as God and all your sin is gone, where can you go? You can go to heaven. Why? Jesus paid the way. It's beautiful. It's a gift. Can't earn it. Can't deserve it. Look at John 3, verse 36. Verse 36. You thought I was going to 16, didn't you? Verse 36 He that believeth on the Son hath present tense, everlasting life. Look at how simple, beautiful that statement is. See, this begins with we are helplessly, hopelessly lost. That means your good works can't save you. You're helpless, you're hopeless. But Jesus came and he did the work to provide the way of salvation. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son, in other words, you don't put your faith in him as your Savior, shall not see life, but look at this, but the wrath of God. Sound familiar? We just read about the wrath of God. But the wrath of God abideth on him. Just like when you believe that moment you have everlasting life, If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, the wrath of God, the indignation of God is abiding on you. It's hanging there. It's like a dark cloud above you. And, friend, if you die without Jesus Christ as your Savior, that will be poured out on you immediately. You'll end up in hell. God doesn't want that for you. I'm pleading today. God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to have everlasting life. This is a warning. This is a pleading. You can be saved. From hell to heaven, you can be delivered from the tribulation, coming tribulation period, if you'll only trust in Jesus Christ. Only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. He will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. Today, you can know you're going to heaven before you ever get up and walk out of here. It's yours for the taking.